This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. All right, we come to our sermon today. It's uh, from Acts chapter 6, and it's entitled... There is no menial service in Christ. Before I begin the message, I'd like to tell a personal story about how Shirley and I named our children. She was pregnant. We were at Disneyland. We were in the line for the Alice in Wonderland ride. And you know, Disneyland has very long lines. How long? Are there lines? The line was so long that we started with A in the alphabet, and we went through every name we can think of that started with A, then B, then C, and we came up with a boy's name, Stephen. Then the line was still so long, we started with A, thought of every girl's name we can think of, and we came up with Laura, finally we got on the ride. It wasn't until years later that we realized the significance of how God led us in picking the names for our kids. You see, both Stephen and Laura mean crown, and they were born in Corona, California, which also means crown. So our crowns were born in Crown City, Stephen and Laura. I wanted to share that personal story with you because we are going to be talking about Stephen uh, this Sunday and next Sunday. But before we go on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for my kids. Thank you for Laura and Stephen. Thank you for them being our crowns, and thank you for the grandsons that they've given us. Uh, we're blessed and very thankful to you. And Lord, thank you for the original Stephen and his example of being a witness for you. And Lord, open our hearts so that we, like Stephen, would be willing to serve you in any way you would want us to serve you, no matter what, to your glory. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, today's message is entitled, There is No Menial Service in Christ, and it's based on Acts chapter 6. I'm going to read the verses we're covering today. We're not going to cover the entire chapter because it contains a connection with next week's chapter. We're only going to cover the first seven verses. Let me read those verses to you right now. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews 
because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's look at this wonderful chapter, the first seven verses. The question of this section is this. What can I do for the Lord? Remember, we're putting together a practical ministry manual from the book of Acts. What can I do for the Lord is the question of these verses. And there are these responses. We can be a peacemaker. We can be available as a reconciler. We can be filled with the spirit and wisdom. We can be diligent in the word and in prayer. We can be thankful that God is using us. Those are five things we can do, six things we can do, as we make ourselves available to the Lord. Let's look at each one of these. The first, Acts 6, verse 1. We can be a peacemaker. The early church had a problem. And let's read about that in verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Here you have in one corner the Hellenistic Jews. Those were Jews who through the diaspora, that is being spread throughout the world, had come for the Feast of Pentecost, had come to trust in Jesus as Messiah, and they were Greek-speaking, and they had Greek cultural habits. And the Hellenistic Jews had widows that were not getting the same amount of food as the Hebraic Jews, and so they were complaining against the Jews who lived in Jerusalem and had their customs as to how they distributed food to the seniors. And they were Hebrew-speaking. They spoke Aramaic. So you have two different groups of Jewish converts, of completed Jews, of Messianic Jews. You have the Hellenistic, who are Greek in culture, and you have the Hebraic, who um, who speak Aramaic and are very much uh, in the culture of Moses. So, there's a conflict. There's 
Trouble with a capital T in the early church. What was the problem? That the widows were not were being overlooked. In other words, uh, they were being slighted. They were being cheated. They were being deprived of their rights. They were being forgotten and abandoned. They were being neglected. They were um, being unfairly treated. And you know what? It's easy for people in the church, it's easy for people in the society to feel that way, isn't it? To feel that somehow someone's doing a wrong to us and it's just unfair. What do you do when there's conflict? What do you do when there's a problem? Well, what they did is they complained against the Hebraic Jews. They um, said negative things about them. They disparaged them, perhaps character assassination. Perhaps they demonized them by making them out to be like devils. They assumed negative motives. Those Hebraic Jews are partial and showing favoritism to their widows while neglecting ours. Can I say that the practical application of this verse is that in contradistinction of what they were doing, the Hellenistic Jews complaining against the Hebraic Jews, we ought to be peacemakers. You see, you have in both hands buckets. And in one bucket, you have a bucket of kerosene. And in the other hand, you have a bucket of water. When there's a fire that's spreading, you can throw on it kerosene, or you can throw on it water. When there's a problem in the church, when there's a problem in the family, when there's a problem in the marriage or a friendship or in the neighborhood or in the government, should we complain against? Should we demonize? Should we character assassinate? No! We shouldn't be throwing kerosene, making the problem worse. We should be throwing water and being peacemakers. Secondly, we need to be available as reconcilers. Verse 2. Verse 2 says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now this is very interesting. All the disciples were gathered together. Why? Because the whole church matters to God. Every one of you matters to God. Ministry is not the purview of just the ministers, that is the pastors. Ministry is the purview of the priesthood of all believers. You are a minister for Christ. Don't abrogate, don't give up your ministry that it's for professionals only. It's not. You are a minister for Christ. As a minister for Christ, you are to be willing to even serve on tables. 
Do you remember Jesus knowing fully that he was going to go to the cross and then rise on the third day and go back to the Father? He took off his outer garment and he washed his disciples' feet. And he says, as I have done unto you, you are to do to one another. Love one another as I have loved you, and the world will know you are my disciples. We must be willing to be towel wearers and basin bearers. We need to be willing to do the dirty work of even washing one another's feet, of serving on tables if that's what it takes in order to reconcile the church, in order to have people be united. Who will step up? Who will be a reconciler? When Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, he nicknamed a person Loyal Yoke Fellow. He said, there's a problem between Judea and Syntyche. They used to be women who were partners together in ministry, but they've had a falling out and they don't get along anymore. You, Loyal Yoke Fellow, please help them to come to oneness of mind. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ, making God's appeal to others that they may be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Of all people, we should be reconciling those who are estranged from one another, not adding to the division that's so easy and that the devil is trying to work. Oh, the devil's scheme is very clear. His scheme is to divide and conquer. We know that. We as Christians are to be peacemakers and reconcilers. Now, I want you to notice something about this verse. It seems to go against the title of my sermon. The title of my sermon is, There's No Menial Service in Christ. But if you read this wrong, it sounds like the apostles are saying, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Do you hear that? That's what happened in the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, you had a distinction between the clerics who could speak Latin and lead the worship services and the laity who did not know Latin, and they were just the common people. And you developed a two-tiered spirituality, a two-tiered church, the professional Christians and the regular Christians. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you and I are to serve the Lord whoever we are and wherever we are. There's no distinction between the sacred and the secular. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 makes this clear. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whether you're a janitor 
a salesman, a homemaker, a retired widow. Whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. And you are going to be just as rewarded as a pastor, as a missionary, as an evangelist. There's no distinction between the sacred and the secular. So you ask me, but Lou, what about this verse? Well, let's talk about that. This verse is not talking about one job being more important than the other. It's talking about giftedness and priority. We must serve in the area of our giftedness. And we must serve in the priority of what God has for us to do. For the apostles, their priority had to be prayer and the ministry of the word. Their giftedness was in speaking and teaching, while other people's gifts are in serving. That's made clear in 1 Peter chapter 4, where it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So first of all, we need to be peacemakers. Secondly, we need to be reconcilers. Third, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Verse 3. The apostles said to, the, to all the disciples gathered together, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. The application of this verse is that all of us need to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. To be full of the Spirit means to be controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be fully surrendered to the Lord and let Him be Lord and be in charge of our lives. We need to be wise, wise stewards in what God has entrusted to us. We need to be wise in our relationships with other people. These are goals for every Christian, not just for the original deacons. By the way, they don't mention the word deacons here, which would be a title mentioned in Philippians, and the qualifications would be spelled out in 1 Timothy. But the word diakonos, which means to serve, and also the distribution is mentioned in verse 1 and verse 2. So these are the proto-deacons, the initial men of service who would become the official role of deacons in the church eventually. Fourth, we need to be diligent in the word and prayer. Acts chapter 6, verse 4, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The apostles are saying our priority must be to prayer and the ministry of the word. You remember in Acts chapter 2 that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles better dedicate themselves to the ministry 
of the word because people are dependent on their word being accurate and true to God's will and character. You and I, whether we are in an important position of leadership up front or behind the scenes, still need to give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. I'll never forget, I was a little kid in Sunday school, and the church custodian talked to us about the last days. He was a man of the word and prayer. And I remember being so impressed by his exhortation to know the Bible, because maybe one day the Bible will be taken away from us. When I was in high school, we played a game on, Christmas, on New Year's Eve. We turned off all the lights and pretended the church was in persecution, and we tried to recite as many verses as we could remember. What if the Bible was taken away from us? And some of us could recite the words accurately and tell even the reference. Others of us could tell just the gist of the verse that we remembered, and we tried to see how far we could go in remembering the Bible. And that goes back to the influence of a godly custodian who said to a young Sunday school kid, know your Bible. When we give ourselves to prayer, we're talking to God. When we give ourselves to the Word, we're listening to God. This is the breathing of the Christian life, is to talk to God and to listen to God. We need both in our lives. And finally, we are to be thankful that God is using us. When the church heard this proposal from the apostles that they were to pick seven men from among them who had a good reputation, who were full of the Spirit and wisdom, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and then they chose Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Here's the beauty of what happened. The early church, knowing that the Hellenistic Jews were complaining that their widows were not getting fair distribution of the food, picked six Hellenistic Jewish Christians and one proselyte, one Gentile who had converted to Judaism, who was also Greek and Hellenistic in language and culture. Do you see what just happened? What happened was the early church picked people who understood the Greek language and culture to make sure that the widows who were Hellenistic, who spoke Greek and had a Greek culture, would not be neglected. Isn't that brilliant? That is absolutely brilliant. And as a result of God using these seven men, I want you to notice what happened. It says, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests 
became obedient to the faith. Praise God. The church had a problem. The church had a proposal. And the church had great population growth because they recognize no one person can do it all. No one person is omnicompetent, able to do everything equally well. We need each other. Everybody is to use their spiritual gift to build up the church. It says in Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You are a part of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you, and he's gifted you with a spiritual gift, whether it be in the speaking realm or the serving realm. When you use your gift, you contribute to the unity of the body of Christ. And when there's troubles or problems, it says in Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Instead of throwing a bucket of kerosene and causing the flames to burn hotter and more angrily, throw a bucket of water. Be a peacemaker. Be a reconciler. Be filled with the Spirit and wisdom. Be diligent in the Word and prayer. Be thankful that God is using you and that the church will grow and increase in people coming to know Jesus because you did your part. In a moment, we're going to sing, Make Me a Servant. Or excuse me, we're going to sing, um, I Will Serve You Because I Love Thee. But before we do, I want us to pray. I want us to respond to what we've heard. Would you bow with me in prayer? Jesus, just go ahead and agree in your heart. Jesus, I need you now more than ever. Please come into my life and be my Savior and Lord. Because of your cross and resurrection, please forgive me of my sins and give me your gift of eternal life. I want to live in obedience to you. And let's all pray together, agreeing in our hearts. Revive us, the church, to become peacemakers and to be your humble servants who are willing to serve you in whatever capacity you want us to serve and no matter what the outcome of that service may be. We ask this to your glory with thanksgiving for all you've done for us in the cross and by your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Saturday and Sunday at 10 o'clock, I am on the radio, KKXX, and uh, we wrapped up the Romans 8 series. Next week in the Book of Acts, the Church in Action series, we're covering a wonderful message, and we don't want you to miss it. It's all about Stephen whose name means crown, the crown of victory. KKXX is 104.5 FM or 9.30 AM on your dial.
Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.